Welcome everyone to another episode of That's My Jamstack, the podcast where we explore the inner psyche of jam stackers everywhere, asking the simple question, what's your jam in the Jamstack? In today's episode, we talked to Colby Fayok, a senior front-end engineer with Element 84. But before we dive into the interview, let me shout out to our sponsor, TakeShape. Stick around after the episode to learn more about their content platform or head on over to takeshape.io slash that's my jam stack for more information. All right, Colby, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, let's, let's start out. Tell us a little bit of, about yourself, about what you do for work, what you do for fun, that sort of thing. Sure, so I'm a senior front-end engineer and UX designer at Element 84. Uh, Element 84, a little bit about us. Uh, we focus on bringing remote sensing and life sciences data to the cloud. So that's usually like satellite data and health data. Uh, but once that's in the cloud, that's kind of where I step in and put UIs in front of that. So some things that I'm working on right now are a dashboard for a uh, for tasking a commercial satellite. Um, and we're also working on a mapping interface for helping first responders tackle natural disasters like wildfires. Oh, wow. So like a big use case for that was working with people who were actually in it for the Cal- uh, Campfire California wildfires. Oh, wow, very cool. Uh, yeah. So so out of curiosity, um, your building interfaces, do you consider yourself more on the design side or more on the developer side, even though you're working in code, obviously? Yeah, so I definitely am more on the uh, front-end engineering side. Uh, it's kind of funny because I started off more on the design side, but as I kind of learned and learned, I've just slowly moved the needle to the engineering side. Um, but that said, I still thoroughly enjoy both aspects of it, and usually I'm still the one doing the wires and such on the projects that we're working on. Cool. And uh, what, what do you do in your, in your free time outside of work? Yeah, so uh, a lot of the times when we when we can figure it out, I like to travel with my wife. Uh, we just got back from a trip to Southeast Asia, which was pretty cool. Um, but aside from that, you know, I, I do really enjoy coding, but probably spend too much time watching TV, movies, and lately I've been trying to push myself to write more. So I've been putting a lot of uh, articles up on Free Code Camp, um, and that actually inspired me from a coworker who kind of gave me the idea that, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at different articles, right? Rather than, I kind of had that imposter syndrome, but I'm able to get past that and it's been successful so far. Very cool. And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that anyone who's writing code can benefit from their own blog in the future. Like if you're, yeah. if you're writing and you solve a problem, write about it and then you Google it down the road and you'll be the response on it. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's a good book, kind of way to bookmark your solutions. Exactly. Uh, and so what's the, what's the uh, best place you've traveled or your favorite place to, to go when you're traveling? Um, you know, Southeast Asia was probably my craziest experience. And I say crazy just because it was so different from anything I've ever been to. Um, but I've been to Brazil because my wife is Brazilian and I, I really enjoy Brazil. The people there are just so awesome. The food is amazing. Um, so I, that's probably one of my favorite places. Cool. And what's the, uh, what's the best Brazilian dish? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, Brazilian barbecue for sure, because I don't know if you've ever been to one of the Brazilian steakhouses in the United States, but it's just yeah. incredible. Nice. Very cool. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the Jamstack a little bit. Obviously, that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, what was your entry point into this philosophy of the Jamstack or maybe static sites or whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it? So it's kind of funny because I listened to a couple of the other podcasts and a lot of people seem to be getting into development from the old MySpace days. So mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I would do the I would hack over divs on top of the profile. Um, people saw me doing that and I actually made a little bit of a side hustle out of it, redesigning <laughs> some people's profiles. But um, from there, you know, just creating Counter-Strike team pages for the teams I was on. But uh, more on the professional side, you know, down the road, uh, I worked at a an e-commerce company called Think Geek. It was a geeky uh, niche 
products. I've bought a um, lot from ThinkGeek in the past. Yeah. <laughs> well, since then, uh, they were bought out by GameStop, but we don't need to get into that. But um, it was interesting because they weren't a Jamstack site, but we were trying to cache the front the front end so heavily where it was just being served statically from Fastly. Um, but we redesigned the checkout and basically used the Jamstack principles of reaching out to their APIs and stuff to build that. Um, but it was definitely at the time, since it was still kind of a relatively newer idea for an architecture, um, it was rough to try to get the convince the uh, engineers to support the APIs to that fashion because it's traditionally a Perl house. So building out the that's how the pages were typically rendered. Yeah, and m- modernizing that stack would have been uh, quite fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so kind of so so from there, uh, what what are you currently? Uh, working and what are your favorite Jamstack technologies or philosophies? Uh, what are you using professionally and personally? That sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, personally, when I'm bootstrapping sites, I usually just default to Gatsby and Netlify, just because it's it's so easy. Um, you know, static sites are just much easier to manage from a resource perspective, in my opinion. And you know, it's super cheap and other buzzwords like infinitely scalable. <laughs> um, but as a primary engineer, you know, I don't need to worry about figuring out the server side. So, side of things. So I just kind of dump my static assets. Um, I still have like two WordPress clients, but I've since moved them to LightSail, which has made it a little bit easier since it's more managed on the AWS side. Um, and I, I joke about the buzzwords part of it, but really that's compelling for from a customer p- perspective, right? Because uh, being able to use those phrases like infinitely scalable, secure, and cheap is just so valuable. Yeah, especially on like on on bigger clients where they're like worried. What if I get a traffic spike? Is the server gonna go down? Exactly, and it's a realistic scenario. And even if you have the most complex caching system, things can go wrong. Um, so that's what that's a big thing of what attracts me to it. But uh, with E eighty four, you know, it switches a little bit where uh, we dump most of it into S three instead of using something like Netlify. Um, but we're a big AWS house, so. Jamstack sites kind of pull in those five fundamental pillars for AWS, uh, which is like for good software architecture. So it makes it really easy to kind of push that. Okay. Hit, hit me with the uh, the five pillars for AWS because I'm not <laughs> actually great with AWS. So I uh, I wrote those down because I had a feeling <laughs> you would ask me. <laughs> but it was uh, operational excellence, security, which is a big one, real- reliability, performance, and cost optimization. So Jamstack, so Jamstack. pretty much exactly <laughs> like it ticks the ticks the boxes of every single one of those. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and so what are y'all doing other than obviously if you're on AWS, you're pretty much Jamstack at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. How's Element eighty four? utilizing this kind of separation and and how are you doing like mapping and stuff like that in a Jamstack world? Right. So interestingly, maps kind of inherently fit into the whole static site idea. Uh, We use a library called Leaflet, which it attaches itself to a static element inside the DOM. So imagine just a div, kind of like you would with a React app, right? Um, And it just kind of plays from there, pulling in the APIs for things like map tiles and any kind of data you want to visualize on the map. Um, But really, we can build out these applications completely static and pull all those APIs and stuff right on the client, just like a, you know, normal Jamstack app. Um, but it's, it's made it easy to kind of fit it in there. And it's tough with leaflet sometimes because it relies on the window. So if you're kind of building it within a react application, you kind of have to get some past some of those challenges, like particularly Gatsby, uh, when you compile, it runs the code, right? So the window's not available, the leaflet library assumes it is, and you can run into compilation errors with that. So it has its challenges, but it's it's interesting and it's provided some really powerful stuff. 
Yeah, and we were actually just talking uh, on last week's episode about replacing Create React app with Gatsby and how like one of the big hiccups is there's no window in Gatsby. Yeah, it's it's a real problem. And uh, they provide a solution where you kind of set, I I don't know what's actually happening, but you set the loaders to null in the, in the Webpack configuration. Uh, that resolves it. Um, but of course, then you don't actually get the library for any kind of compilation. But uh, since it is just a client-side only library, it's it's okay for that particular piece. Very cool. So let's let's talk about uh, what is what is kind of your actual jam in the Jamstack. What's going to keep you mm -hmm. coming back Jamstack year after year uh, going into the future? Yeah. So I think generally the amount of options that are coming up to just quickly spin things up. Like I kind of mentioned Gatsby and Netlify. I'm pretty sold on that combo right now just because it's made my life so much easier to spin things up where both me and the E84 team, like we can focus on the things that are different, right? Like we don't have to spend our time bootstrapping the app, creating a custom Webpack configuration and all that. Um, so it really makes lets us focus on things that are different. Um, I advocate a lot for Netlify simply because of those kind of things. But um, I think being able to play those tooling pieces heavily just gives us a lot of power to uh, push things forward. Nice. And, and where do you kind of fall on uh, like static rendering on the server versus dynamic stuff? Obviously, doing mapping stuff, you're doing more stuff in the client. Uh, yeah. Is there is there any way to offload that before build, like during the build, that you can kind of have the map in place before the client takes over? Uh, not from my experience, mostly because of the window issues. Um, but I, I haven't looked too much into that aspect of it, just because the libraries so heavily rely on the window and the DOM. Um, but that said, like just generally with uh, rendering on the server versus pre-compiling, I like pre-compiling because it, you, you're doing as much work as you can before that server hits. So um, anything you can do before the actual server request or you know serving them statically is just ideal, in my opinion. Talking about buzzwords and, and the five pillars, performance is a big deal there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just getting that first paint, you know, trying to avoid any kind of server processing before it hits the the person in the browser, um, is important. Definitely. Uh, so, so you're using uh, Leaflet for mapping, uh, Gatsby in a lot of your prototyping. Anything else that you're kind of exploring right now? Um, nothing too heavily. We're building a component library based off of. Uh, the leafless stuff, just trying to make things a little bit easier for people to interface with it because of some of the problems I mentioned. Um, we're hoping to eventually open source that, but uh, you know, the whole building something and open sourcing it is isn't always as straightforward as you might want it to be. Um, but hooking the maps into other kind of uh, data technologies, such as uh, one particular piece is Stack API, which is I wrote this down because I I wouldn't remember the acronym. It's spatiotemporal asset catalog. So it's essentially, yeah, so it's essentially <laughs> collecting metadata and the imagery along with the satellite imagery and provide, providing in a way that you can actually search on it. So uh, being able to pull up those results, make dynamic searches on those maps is important to be able to help provide these people, uh, like scientists, ability to actually look up the data, right? Um, so using tools like that helps us a lot. Cool. And, and I imagine like when you're talking about scientists and we're talking about climate stuff and we're talking about all these like heavy, big sets of data, uh, like how do you how do you deal with that large of a scope in a modular kind of tinier way? Yeah, so uh, probably our bread and butter with E84 is the data processing aspect of it. So that's a completely different component in built in our kind of architecture where we have our data pipeline that pulls in and processes the data. Uh, then we have a backend team, which might be the same people that 
builds uh, like one particular instance is Elasticsearch, right? Putting that in front of the the meta metadata repository, um, at which point for me it's really just a bunch of APIs that I'm able to search on. So um, coming from a UI perspective, I don't have to worry as much about those complexities. Um, but it is interesting to see the pipeline of data coming through, which we rely pretty heavily on AWS for. Cool. So, so yeah, you're basically getting to create your own like big data API set that you then just can go go ham with and, and keep working on stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Uh, so let's let's talk uh, let's talk music. Uh, what is your okay. uh, actual jam right now? What's your favorite song or musician? Where are you jamming out to? Sure. So I, I'm a huge Blink-182 fan from the early days, so I'm still enjoying a lot of their music that they're putting out. Maybe not as much as some of the earlier stuff, but uh, uh, coworkers would probably give me a hard time for saying this, but I still frequently jam out to Come and Get It by Selena Gomez. Uh, <laughs> but on a serious note, uh, got a shout out to probably my favorite album. Uh, it's an older one called Dangerous Intentions from a group called Patterns. Uh, it has like a really cool retro vibe to it that I really enjoy. Uh, retro like so 80s vibe? Heard. I, I yeah I think so okay all right because <laughs> yeah. retro could be like 60s vibe and that'd be cool too that's true that's true and at this point probably 90s right uh, unfortunately I don't want I don't want to talk about it that makes me feel weird inside <laughs> um, cool so is there anything that you would like to promote to the Jamstack community something you're doing or or more in general yeah um generally I'm writing uh trying to write a lot so checking out some of the articles I'm writing but uh you know I'm I feel really strongly about maps and being able to give a lot of power to people with the tools in their hand, right? So scientists and such. Um, so to try and help get things started, I created Gatsby Starter, uh, just Gatsby Starter for Leaflet, it's pretty much called, um, which is up on my GitHub. I can also post a link. Um, it doesn't come with a ton of features yet, but it really allows people to easily spin up a mapping application. Um, and the biggest takeaway that I'm trying to push, and it's kind of like Chef Gusteau from Ratatouille, where he says anyone could cook. Yep. I like to believe that anybody can create a map, right? Um, so just being able to have people easily be able to spin up an app, it might put more power in somebody's hands that they didn't know they had before. Um, over the holidays, I created, based off of that starter, I created a Santa tracker, uh, which people had a good time with. And it was cool being able to see um, some of my coworkers spend time with their kids actually walking through the Santa tracker. Oh, app. very so, cool. Um, just being able to do fun things like that is powerful and shows what you can do. And you, you, you completely destroyed my follow-up question, which is going to be like, how do I get started in, in mapping? But uh, so, yeah. so we'll, we'll promote out that, uh, that, that Gatsby starter for, for the mapping. Um, and is there any sort of like big hurdles to getting into Leaflet? Or if you've got that starter, you can just kind of go to town with it? Yeah, I mean, once you get that star spun up, you, I have an example in there that it really just kind of zooms in on your current location if you allow it. Otherwise, I think it's DC, um, which is the area that I'm from. Um, but being able to take that example and apply it with leaflets documentation, I think, is probably the biggest bet there. Um, and I'm hoping to do more writing on more complex leaflet applications. But um, generally, I think that's a good starting place. Cool. And uh, out of curiosity, you might not have an answer to it. Uh, where where could somebody go to find maybe some data sets that they could play with, especially around some of these more scientific topics with mapping? Are there any open data sets that they can explore? Yeah, so NASA actually, I, I at least through their Gibbs program, and I know some of their other programs, they make a ton of data uh, openly available for anybody. Um, so kind of just searching on that is a good way to get your... Uh, just kind of get rolling in it. Um, I know there's also some other teams like... Uh, Blinking on the name. Um, they provide some open data for disaster scenarios, um, which is powerful because 
they enable people to do things that'll help others actually work with some of these disaster scenarios, which is some of the data that we use with uh, the disaster relief efforts we're working on. Very cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. And I'm, yeah. I'm actually very, very interested to go dive into that Gatsby repo. I, I want to check that out. Yeah. Awesome. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, thanks and keep doing amazing things. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again to Colby for being on the show. And thanks again to you, dear listeners, for tuning in week after week. Be sure to like Heartstar or what have you in your podcast app of choice. And now it's sponsor time. Coming back this week is TakeShape. TakeShape is a content platform for the Jamstack. They've got a headless CMS, a static site generator, and an awesome GraphQL API. It's super simple to get started and to work with. And if you're interested, you should head on over to takeshape.io slash that's my Jamstack to sign up.